Hello everybody and welcome back to another night of Walk It Out. My name is Gretchen Cannon. I'm the community pastor here at Grace Church and uh, let's just go Lord in prayer before we get started in this last segment of Eat the Word. Well, Father, we thank you for who you are and we thank you for who you created us to be, which is conformed to your image. And Father, I just ask that um, the things that are shared tonight that we need to hear that we have willing hearts to open up our ears, that we are yielded to your spirit. And um, Father, I thank you for your scripture. I thank you for your word that brings truth and revelation to us as we partner with your spirit. And um, just thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Tonight, we're going to finish up um, just this three-part segment on eating the word. And so I want to go back and recap like what eat the word is, where we get the name. And so eating the word is just a, like a set of filters that we use to observe scripture. So the power of observation within scripture and how we marry it with the spirit. If it's not married with the spirit, then it's just the letter of the law. It's dead works. Um, there's... There's no life in it, and so we marry it with the Spirit. And so there's two scriptures uh, that we really focus on where we get the, the name, eat the word from. And so I'm going to read those for you. Ezekiel 3, verses 1 through 3. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with the scroll that I have given you. So I ate it, and it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. And then in Jeremiah 15, he says, uh, verse 16, it says, Your words were found, and I ate them, and your word to me was the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. And so those are some scriptures that we get the name Eat the Word from. And there's a lot in, in John and the New Testament about just taking in um, the scripture by the Spirit and letting it become one with us. And even in John 10, how the Lord takes us in and out of pasture for us to find food. And so... Um, if, if you want to know more about that, jump back into part one and part two of Eat the Word because it's it's got some great um, nuggets there for you. But uh, last week, I talked about author's intent versus reader response, and I used um, uh, the analogy of um, The Wizard of Oz. And so if you haven't heard that, go back uh, to last week and grab that, grab a hold of that. But it's a great picture of how it's very important for us to get the Lord's intent in Scripture and not what we think it means. And so that's something I think um, growing up that I maybe um, didn't know what else to do. And so it was always like, well, I think this or um, whatever, instead of like, Lord, what do you really want me to see? What do you want to speak to my heart? And, and those types of things. And so I talked last week, wrapped up, that we were going to talk about some filters that we use. And so there's just power by the Spirit in observing things. 
So I'm reminded of the scripture in Matthew where uh, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, look at the birds of the air, look at the lilies of the field, like consider them. So he's having them observe something in nature and consider it. But what's really awesome is he's really not teaching them about the birds of the air or about flowers. He's teaching them about worry. And so it's a great picture that the Lord has things for us in nature, but also in his scriptures that he wants us to observe so he can bring truth and revelation by his spirit into our heart where we can like um, hear the words, we can hear his word, his voice to us, the rhema, and then we can partner with the truth and the reality and walking out our obedience, whether it's to believe it or whether it's to take action in something. And so um, scripture should always be um, interpreted by the Lord's intent as the author and, um, and then partnered with the Holy Spirit, we use a set of filters to help us just make some observations in scriptures. So I'm going to very briefly go through um, the filters and just a couple of scripture instances that I have found um, the observation, the power of these uh, filters and the observation of the scripture to be helpful in understanding what the Lord was speaking in the scriptures. And so I, I mentioned this last week, but if you are interested in learning how to eat the word, please email me, Gretchen at gracechurch.community, and I will get somebody connected with you, whether it's in person or whether it's virtually, to uh, take you through and teach you, uh, let you experience by the Holy Spirit what eat the word is about. Because this isn't um this isn't a tool to be learned in our intellect. It is a tool to be experienced by the Holy Spirit. And so I was even talking right before I came on, just like I'm a little, I'm a little apprehensive, I think, in even sharing this, because I don't want this to be something that you go and just do. I want you to experience by the Spirit of the Lord what it's like for his written word to become rhema through the power of observing in these filters. And so um, I just encourage you, email me and I will get you connected with somebody that can help walk you through what it looks like to eat the word. But nevertheless, I feel like the Lord has asked me to do this. So I'm going to walk through these filters briefly for you. And so um, one of the filters that I'm going to use, I'm going to go to John 15, and you're you're welcome to go here with me um, or, um, or just take it all in. Um, I will try to list the scriptures in the comments. Um, but John 15, uh, one of the uh, filters is repetition of words. So um, you can get caught up in like making a list of the words and how many times does it repeat and is the meaning the same? And it becomes more like school. That's not what this is for. Like repetition of the words is to tell us the theme of the text. So John 15 is a perfect example. Starting in verse one, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself 
Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So I'm going to stop there after verse 5. I could continue. But if you just look at those first five verses, there's a lot of words that repeat. Fruit, branch, abide, me, you. And so like looking at just the repetition of words there, like what is this text about? It's about us as branches abiding in him as the vine, right? And so it gives you a context when you're reading a passage, maybe that isn't even as familiar to you. Like, what is this about? And so um, that's a great example of it. Another one, which I'm going to read in a little bit, but is John 21 verses 15 through 17, where Peter and, and Jesus are having a dialogue about, Peter, do you love me? And so it gives you a context kind of about what that passage is about. And so um, another one I want to um, share with you is out of Proverbs 15 and it's contrast. So for me personally, this is probably um, the one of the ones that I use the least um, because I own it less, meaning it's the one um, that's made like maybe that I understand less than um, any of them. And so like when I'm just reading scripture, contrasts don't just pop out at me. But to some people they do, and it's the Lord. And so I don't want to skip this one. I definitely want to um, talk about it. But contrast is just two things that are strikingly different. Okay. And so um, sometimes there's a key word like but, but sometimes there's not. But the 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 filter for contrast is for you just to make an observation about the differences. Okay. And so Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And so right there, strikingly difference between a soft word and a harsh word. One turns away wrath and one brings it. And so that's an example of the contrast filter. So uh, the comparison filter, because if you have a contrast, you have to have a comparison, right? These are two um, or, or more, maybe, but things that are similar, okay, in nature. They don't have to be exact. They're just similar in, in nature. And so a lot of times you might have the word like or as. And so in Luke 10, verse 18, it says, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. And so think about that. You're watching a storm and you see lightning. What do you see like when you're in nature observing lightning? What do you see? What do you feel? What do you experience? There's power. It's sudden. It's straight from the highest of the high that you can see, you know, like all the way down maybe, or it's all the way across. Now, this one says it fell. So what I picture in that is that lightning strike that comes all the way down to the ground. And so I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. There's power, there's electricity, there's force. And so like <laughs> Satan didn't just like tumble from heaven. There was power, force, authority. That's what it looks like. And so the, the comparison there 
even though Satan falling from heaven is totally different than lightning, shouldn't that be a contrast? But what it's comparing is the nature. Like, how did Satan fall and how does lightning come down? And so that gives you a good idea of, um, of what a comparison is. So I want to jump over for the list filter. And lists are some of um, more of the easiest ones to see. But I want to jump over to Ephesians 1 for this. And so verses 4 through 10, we probably won't read them all. But, um, but this is just like a list of connected items. Okay, so another good list is the fruit of the Spirit, right? So love, peace, patience, joy. Another one is in Ephesians 6 about the armor of God. There's a list of the type of armor that you should have. And so um, we're going to just start in verse 4. And it says, um, just as he chose us, so he chose us, in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons of, by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Do you see that list? So like, if you're trying to figure out who you are in Christ, Man, go to Ephesians 1 and look at that and make a list of all of the things that you are in Christ. And so um, one of my plans that I have um, to walk out my freedom is there's times when um, maybe uh, like I don't feel apart or I feel abandoned. And so there's a there's a verse that I have that talks about me being... Um, adopted and chosen. And that plan is actually written in a few bullet points, like a list. And so it's something that visually helps you remember. Plus, you can go back to all of the things that you are in Christ and um, or anything like the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? And it's those things. And I, I want to, uh, and maybe I can get there. I'm going to go there now. But when you eat the Galatians 5 for the fruit of the Spirit, You'll find that all of those words, love, peace, patience, kindness, they're actually nouns. They're not verbs. So it's nothing we do. It's something we become. And that's why, like, eat the words. Some people are kind of like, man, that's just a bunch of English. Well, it's really not when you think about it because of the power of observation by the Spirit. When we look at that part of speech and we know, Man, that is a noun and not a verb. Makes a total different. Or we see that it's not a noun. I'll show you in a little bit. And it's a verb. It makes a total difference in how we view that scripture. And that's all that these filters are for is to give you observation opportunities by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so um, cause and effect. I'm going to go to the Passion Translation because this is this is kind of the Bible that I just read and and in my bible you if you just picked up my bible and you would go through you would see little um abbreviations and so one of them is in psalm 32 and i have a little ce by it and it's just cause and effect and so when a cause and effect jumps out to me in the bible i write a ce by it 
okay, so Gretchen, this, if you, if you do this or you think this way or whatever, then this is what's going to happen. And so I'm going to read for you out of verse three, just because I knew cause and effect was, was uh, noted here in my Bible. It says, before I confess my sins, I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life, causing my life to be filled with frustration, irrepressible anguish and misery. Now, think about that. It, we're not required to confess our sins. In, like in the new covenant, that this is old covenant, it's Psalms. But think about it. When you're in a relationship with a father that loves you and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, like you're in relationship, you want to tell them the things. I mean, they already know anyway, but because you know, going back to Ephesians 1, that you are accepted in the beloved, that you are adopted. In fact, like there's so many cool things about adoption. I have two adopted kids and I have several friends that I disciple that have been adopted and have actually adopted. But back in those days, somebody that was adopted, you could not disown your child if they were adopted, but you could your birth children. Now think about that. Think about how Jesus, like we are adopted by Jesus Christ. He can never disown us because we are adopted. That's why they use that language. Isn't that totally cool? I know there's a little side note, but, but going back to um, this cause and effect filter in Psalm 32, because I'm in relationship, because I know I'm adopted and I can never be disowned, then it, like I, my heart longs to talk to the Lord about things that I do or things that I think or things that I struggle with that aren't of him. It's not necessary because he already knows. But because I am loved and because I love, I confess. But the psalm says right here, when I kept it all inside, my dishonesty devastated my inner life, causing my life to be filled with irrepressible anguish and misery. And think about it. Think about the times when you haven't given something that you struggle with to the Lord, when you haven't surrendered it to his lordship. Like there's misery and anguish on the inner life of yourself. On the inside, there truly is. I want to move on to conjunctions. And so for this, I want to go to the famous Great Commission and um, <clears throat> talk about it in Matthew 28. Excuse me. <clears throat> um, Matthew 28, I want to talk about two things here. I want to talk about the filter of conjunctions as well as the filter of action verbs. So conjunctions, and I know some of you are probably already singing that song about conjunction, conjunction, what's your function? I don't know the song, but everybody I disciple, I mention conjunctions and they just start singing it. But So if you sing it, go right ahead and sing it. But these are just connecting words. They just connect two ideas or two thoughts together. And so sometimes it doesn't seem very significant, but I want to read for you out of the Great Commission. Uh, verse 18 says, All authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Two conjunctions right there. And why are those important? That it connects. Like you are to baptize people, you are to immerse them 
in the name, well, that word name, when you look at the word meaning in somewhere like Bible Hub, it's the character and the nature of not just the Father, but also of the Son and also of the Holy Spirit. So that is a perfect example of how the conjunction filter is very helpful in you seeing the bigger picture of what the Lord intended in the scripture. He didn't just want you to go baptize them in one, right? Immerse them in the character and nature of one, but in all three. And so I want to stay in the Great Commission right here, and I want to talk about the verb filter. I just mentioned it when I talked about um, the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, how it's important. If you know the part of speech, now I'm not talking necessarily about adjectives and adverbs. Like if you love English and you want to dive into all that, you have fun with that. That is not for me. And um, the Lord's just wanting you to observe things in Scripture about His intent. Okay, and so his intent here on the action verb and, and what you do is you ask yourself, like, is this something I'm supposed to take action on? Um, you know, who is who is saying it? Who is receiving the action? Is it past, present or future? And and there's some little tips if you learn how to eat the word um, that we can help you with that. But one of the very important things here is in verse 19 where he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Well, when you get into Bible Hub and you you click on make disciples you and you look at the part of speech, you actually see, like you would think make would be a verb, right? And disciples would be a noun. But actually, together, um, in the original language, it says go therefore, or there as you're going, disciple all nations. It doesn't even say make disciples. So when we read it, we're thinking the Lord is telling us to go do an action that that and we and we make a noun, right? So like our union as spouses as husband and wife, we make babies. We make nouns, right? Well, not in this instance. This actually says to go disciple that's it. And so when you look at that part of speech of the word disciples, it actually is a verb. So there's lots of freedom in that. You're not going to go make anything, right? You are going to disciple and that's it. And so when you see that all it is, is to go invest in people, to go immerse them in the character and the nature of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There's much freedom in that. And that is the author's intent. He's the one that gives life. He's the one that brings dead things to life, right? Not us. We just get to go invest and partner with him and his spirit as we disciple. And man, it's, it's a beautiful amount of freedom. And so that's an example of how the verb filter can really assist us in that. One of the other filters is a pronoun filter. And man, this is huge because even in like John 15 that I read earlier, like who is he and who is this? And, and that one's pretty easy um, to understand. John 1, starting in verse 1, it gets a little crazy. And so the pronoun filter is a really good um, uh, thing to use there to figure out who is talking and who it's about. But last night in my um, 
a discipleship group, we were talking through some scriptures and um, one of them was Isaiah. And we were talking about what scriptures are there to support us declaring something, right? So maybe a truth that we're trying to learn or believe, like how can we get it into us by declaring? And somebody brought up a scripture in Isaiah and um, that scripture said, I declare. And I just stopped and said, all right, let's go to the pronoun filter. Who is I? Is this the Lord declaring or is this Isaiah, meaning it's still applicable for us today? And so we went and we used the pronoun filter and we found out that it was applicable for us to do this declaring. Because sometimes in scripture, the Lord is the one doing the declaring and it says I. And sometimes it's um, a, a follower and a believer of the Lord doing the declaring. And so that would be applicable to us. And so um, I've talked about word meaning some, especially like I think uh, part one, I got into it, but word meaning is really important. And I've, I've mentioned it several times here. Um, Biblehub.com is what a lot of us use for that, but you can use a Strong's Concordance if you have the book or the Greek Thayer's Lexicon, different things like that. Biblehub.com just kind of has all of those uh, references in one area for us to use. But I want to talk just a minute. I want to read um, some out of John 21, um, where Peter and Jesus are having this dialogue. Starting in verse 15, it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than, than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Now, there's a lot of he's here, so a pronoun filter would be good, right? He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. And so right here, there's a lot of loves, right? And and so we actually, when we go into the word meaning, we can see that all of the loves listed there are actually not the same Greek word, which means they have a same, they have a different meaning. And so at the first time when, when Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me? That word is agape. And Peter responds with, well, of course, you know, I love you. And that he responds with phileo, with more of a friendship type love instead of an unconditional self, like lay your life down sacrificial love. And then again, it happens where um, he asks him, do you agape me? And Peter says, I phileo you. And then the third time Jesus asks Peter, he says, do you phileo me? And so do you love me like a friend? And so that's a, that's a good example of how word meaning is helpful um, on that. There's also a, uh, a filter called cross-reference. And so um, now obviously, like in Luke 4, when Jesus is saying um, that he's here to proclaim the good news uh, to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, things like that, that is actually quoted in the Old Testament. That is a cross-reference, but I'm also talking about cross-references. Like if you're in John 15, verses 1 through 5, and talking about abiding, well, where else in Scripture does it talk about abiding? 
So you can go and find other cross-references. So there's scriptures that talk about abide in me, abide in my word, abide in my love. And then there's some places where it doesn't even use the word abide, but it does use the same Greek word. But in our English translation, it might use the word remain. And so when you marry like the word meaning with the cross-reference, then um, it can bring a greater understanding and a fuller picture to what the Lord intended instead of just a standalone scripture. And then the last filter, which is the absolute most important filter ever, and I saved it for last, is what we call wrap it up or like your Jesus letter or your letter from the Lord. It is where we marry the scriptures with the rhema word. And so once you've made observations, you're in one scripture, you're in a section of scriptures, and you've made the observations, whatever filters that he's allowed you to look through. Like, I don't even go through my list of filters. Like, I sit with the Lord and I invite him into my time and I say, show me the things that you want me to see. And like, sometimes cause and effect will jump out. Sometimes, um, like a part of speech will or pronoun filter. But I, I do always go into word meaning. But, but when you do that, and after that's done, you figure like you've seen revelation as you set with him on what his intent was. Sometimes I rewrite the scripture, like in kind of my own words, using the, the word meaning almost to kind of make my own amplified Bible. But instead of reading somebody else's amplified Bible and their takeaway, I get mine. But one of the biggest things is to marry the scripture with the rhema word. And so ask the Lord when you're done, looking at the scripture, looking at the observations that you've made using the filters and his spirit, and ask yourself this, what are you speaking to me? And what am I going to do about it? And let him give you a letter. And so I'm going to show you an example of what this might look like, or I may give you a couple. So when I was eating Ephesians 4, verse 16, which says, From the whole body, joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now, using the filters with that scripture is very helpful for me with my reading comprehension. But after I did that, I sat with the Lord and I asked him, like, what are you wanting to say to me? And this is what I got. Dear Gretchen, I have taken and fit the entire body of myself and made you all interconnected to fit together so you effectively and efficiently function. You rub up against each other at times, but you will begin to walk in stride together even more as you each grasp truth. That will allow you to let me intertwine each one of you to get on board and value each other more. It will all be for the purpose of building you up in my unbreaking love for kingdom advancement. I am the source of it. Be patient, my girl. Allow my Holy Spirit to bring into alignment my gifts. Love Jesus. And so at the end, like, how did I know it was from Jesus? Like I felt like he was the one speaking to me where there's other times where I feel like it is the Holy Spirit. There's other times where I feel like it's the Father. 
And sometimes I feel like it's all of them. And so we call that the big three, or some of us do. Here's one that I got from the Father, Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the letter that I got. Gretchen, as you focus on my righteousness of yourself and others, my unity and partnership is displayed in contentment and harmony. Out of this intentional focus, the awareness of my grace and who I am can be seen in your calm delight. When you walk in this, you stand out and put me on display instead of blending in like you would prefer. Love, Dad. And so that's that's kind of an example of a letter um, from the Father. So I hope these things have been helpful for you. Again, please reach out to me if you're interested in learning and experiencing how to eat the word. My email is Gretchen at gracechurch.community. And let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for our time together. I ask, Lord, that um, we all get a deeper picture and revelation of your written word and how when we partner with you in it, like there is life for us and that we have all right. It's our birthright in Jesus through you to, to be able to hear your voice and to walk out our obedience. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a fantastic weekend. <laughs>